Hi, I'm Allison, and welcome to the Searching for Vitality podcast. Candice and I are the co-hosts, and we are interviewing health and wellness practitioners in the greater Omaha and Lincoln area with the goal of learning different ways to better our wellness. We are searching for ways to better our mind, body, and spirit, and invite you to follow along in our journey. Our hope is that this podcast inspires you to connect with various experts in our local community to build a team to help you along your own journey. We hope you enjoy this episode. I'm Allison, today's host, and I'm talking with Alexis Stearns, who is the CEO and healing mentor of Alexis Inspires. She focuses on healing birth trauma, inner child healing, energy healing, and conscious parenting. Thank you for joining me today. Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself and how you got into this kind of healing work? Yeah, so I'm Alexis, and I love supporting moms who are on their healing journey after a difficult or traumatic birth. Um. And I got into this because I had a traumatic emergency cesarean with my son. He just turned eight in January and I had no idea that it was birth trauma. I had never heard the term. It wasn't something people talked very openly about back then, which I know like back then you don't think of eight years ago, but things have changed so much in eight years. Um, So that's what really got me into it is, you know, once I realized or learned about the term birth trauma, I was like, oh shoot, that's what that was. And, um, you know, I was getting by okay, but we had just decided we weren't going to have any more kids because we were both kind of scared, honestly. And our son was pretty high needs. He still is. And, um, almost a month after we decided not to have more children, we got pregnant and, um, I was terrified. I was pretty depressed for the first three months, um, because of just the fear, the fear of giving birth again, really. And so after I had her, I basically did enough healing to get through her pregnancy and her birth. And then I really dove deeply into healing. Can you talk about what birth trauma is? Um, because I think sometimes like when I think about that, I think of somebody like almost like dying during, um, childbirth. I had my son, gosh, he's 17 months now. So 17 months ago. And I mean, it wasn't, it didn't go according to plan my, it was the complete opposite of what I thought it was going to be. I didn't have to have a cesarean, but I was very close. Um, and like, I think back to those like early postpartum days and how challenging that was. And I think it was a lot of the result of the trauma from that labor and that experience and kind of the stories I created around that. Um, and I was even having dinner with a couple of my friends and, um, you know, I was talking about like future kids and what I would like labor to look like. And they were like, oh, I don't know if that's a good idea. Like you about died during your last, um, labor. And I was like, I didn't, but I was like, did I make it come across that way? Because like, it really was that traumatic 
um, to me, even though it may not have been what a lot of people think about as a traumatic labor. So I'd love to have you kind of define and put that into context as to what birth trauma is. Yes. Okay. I love that question so much because you're so right. People immediately, the first thing you think when you think of birth trauma is what we would call a near miss. And that is when somebody, you know, is actually almost dies giving birth. However, trauma isn't what happens to you. It is what happens inside of you. It is what happens based on your perception, based on the way your body feels in that moment, right? So there's a couple different kinds of trauma. And one would be where a person thought that their life or their child's life was in danger. So they literally, whether it was or not. So like during my son's birth, I remember looking up at the ceiling and thinking, okay, this is it. You know, please just let this baby live. I thought that I was going to die. So that would be that kind of trauma, right? Is when the person thinks that. And it may or may not have been so, right? In my case, maybe there could have been some communication that would have made me feel a little safer. But if we don't have that communication, that can be a part of what causes birth trauma. And so that's like, it's confusing because you have like your two major trauma types, but then you also have your four kind of themes of birth trauma and that lack of communication can be one. So then with your other type of trauma, it's the type of trauma. So the one that I described with my birth is what we think of when we think of like car accidents or um, a specific event that causes trauma. And the other kind is kind of like what happens with um, assault survivors, those who have endured long-term abuse. And so that kind can also result from birth trauma based on language patterns that providers used. Um, and there are correlations between sexual assault and experiencing birth trauma. And that is that in both situations, you are in this vulnerable position, right? And so being there based on behavior of certain staff, the way they explain things, maybe, you know, they told you they were going to do a cervical check instead of asking for permission, right? Mm -hmm. Little things, even like that, feeling like your body's not your own. So that is kind of the two different types of trauma. Sorry, that was like a really long <laughs> explanation. So looping back to what birth trauma is. So birth trauma is basically when the, the feelings that your birth created inside of you start to impact your day-to-day -day life after the event, right? So it can result in flashbacks. It can result in excessive intrusive thoughts. It can result in this hypervigilance, right? Where you are seeing danger everywhere. Uh, and then kind of looping back to flashbacks, it's basically trauma is like time traveling in your brain, right? It's feeling as though the event still happened, not realizing that it's over. So that can happen to anybody from somebody who was 
you know, surprised by something or experienced something that they made a story that they were in real danger, you know? And so then they're reliving danger over and over again, because their body doesn't know their brain doesn't know that the danger is past. The danger is over. Gosh, does that make sense? Sorry. Yeah, no, that was a very good explanation. Um, yeah. And I think that was very helpful. Um, so what are some steps that like somebody can take who has had birth trauma to kind of start to move past that and start to heal? So I think the very first thing is like, if you are in those first two weeks postpartum and you think you had a traumatic birth, get yourself a birth debrief ASAP with a trauma-informed professional. There's a whole list. I can send you the link, but, uh, Dancy perinatal is run by a woman named Krista Dancy, and she is a therapist, birth trauma therapist out in California. And she teaches doulas. Um, I've taken her training this do this debrief class where you can debrief somebody. And when we do that debrief within those first two to six weeks, we have this window where there is uh, this kind of window of neuroplasticity, right? Where we're able to, when we're able to debrief with a trauma-informed professional early on, we're able to kind of manipulate the way that that story is, the way that that memory is stored, right? So we can kind of start to already infuse the story with empathy. We -hmm. can start to help that person to see, oh, that happened in the past. Right now I'm sitting here in my living room safe, right? And we can start to already do that. So that's if you're early on, right? If you're past that, I think a debrief is still extremely helpful. But the other thing to remember is with trauma, sometimes we aren't comfortable talking about what happened, right? It's really, we get this awful kind of visceral body reaction to the trauma. And um, in that case, if you're not in a place where you feel safe talking about it to a therapist, to someone like me, who's just like a healing mentor or a doula, um, or even a close friend who knows how to express empathy, right? I'm not talking about the people who go, oh, at least you had a healthy baby. I'm talking the friends that you know, know how to express empathy. If you understand that well enough to know you have friends like that. Um, but the other thing is to learn body-based self-regulation tools, right? So um, I have a whole course on this. It's easier to just direct you there. It's a totally free like an hour long class. It's uh, alexisinspires.com slash BT for detriggered. And so that has a bunch of resources for some body-based self-regulation tools that you can use to help when you're experiencing triggers. Can you give just maybe some examples of what body-based self-regulation is? Yeah, so when we are, okay, when we experience a trauma trigger, it, our brain doesn't know we're safe, right? And so it goes into a stress response, a trauma response. 
right? So depending on you, who you are, what, what your default stress response is, a lot of things. You might go into fight or flight or freeze. And in that case, you are not like, you can't just logic your way out of your stress response. And so the body-based tools, right? Things like breath work, things like bilateral stimulation, walking, um, those tools can help our nervous system regulate can help us come back to a safer baseline. Mm -hmm. Did that make sense? Did I cover everything that? That did make sense. Yeah. Okay. So, and then when you're doing like a debrief, is that just walking through, going back through and talking about what happened during your birth? Is that what a debrief consists of? That's a great question. So there are a couple kinds of debriefs, right? So you have the debrief that you get from your medical provider, right? Your medical provider might say, especially after a complicated case, they might say, oh, here's what happened in the OR, or here's why I think this happened, right? And those are all helpful to know. And a lot of times, even in kind of a more emotional debrief, which is what I would say that I would do, or a doula would do, or a therapist would do those bits of information can be really helpful as a part of the process, but it's more focused on the feelings. It's the feeling of what happened to you, right? And, and where that occurs in your body, right? So it's just tuning in and starting to get an awareness of how different feelings feel in your body. Mm -hmm. So, um, I know you also do like different forms of, you know, like energy work to help heal trauma. Can you talk about like when that comes into play and how that works? Okay. So the energy work that I do, I use mostly with people who are entering into a, a, um, healing mentorship with me. Okay. So, um, I offer a 12 week healing mentorship and, the energy work comes into that. We incorporate energy work as a part of your healing practice. So every day we go through, ideally every day you would build into your schedule a certain amount of time from five minutes to an hour that you wanted to sit down and intentionally, intentionally work on your healing. Yeah, that's for 12 weeks. So every day, so then I would imagine that even after doing that every day for 12 weeks, you probably have some new habits that is it possible that this could become these techniques could become part of your everyday routines. That's the idea, right? So that's the idea is that we are building, like people don't just start off doing it every day, right? It's something new that you have to build into your, uh, your system, right? Building that new muscle of spending time on yourself, of spending time focusing on your your healing of even feeling your feelings, right? Which is something I know that like I spent years avoiding. And I also like how you have said it's something that you do every day um, versus something that you're just doing to people. So it sounds almost mm. like they're working to heal themselves um, by working with you and utilizing the different techniques that you use. Is that accurate? Right. So, and that's the reason I don't like, 
identify with the word coach and I'm definitely not a therapist um, is because like, I feel like I'm more like a teacher, right? So if somebody doesn't have self-regulation tools, we start there, right? We start with those body-based tools. And then as we're building a healing practice, we build in other things related to the subconscious mind, maybe some hypnosis, maybe some energy work, right? And we use that to build a self-healing practice because regardless of who you're seeing to support your healing, whether it's physical healing, whether it is mental, whether it is emotional, any kind of healing that is done is self-healing, right? You go to a chiropractor, they check your spine. They are optimizing your body for you to heal. You go to the doctor, you get a cast on your broken bone. They are optimizing the conditions in order for your body to heal, right? You get a sore in your mouth or a cut in your mouth. It's healing itself. You are always self-healing. And so I think that that's like one of the biggest misconceptions is that people think I'm going to go to therapy and I'm going to be all better. And they go to therapy and then they leave therapy. And then they keep just living their life. Well, healing's not what happens in therapy. Healing's what happens every day, every moment, every trigger, every interaction with your child who won't put their stinking shoes on. Mm -hmm. Just saying. It's what happens in real life. Yeah. And I think that's really powerful too, to realize that you can self-heal. And that's what happens. It's not you know, somebody healing you, it's a power that you have to heal yourself. Mm -hmm, exactly. So can you kind of talk through more about like what this energy healing is? Like, I think a lot of people hear that and they kind of think it sounds a little out there or like, you know, voodoo or, you know, magic, or can you talk through like what that is, how it works, maybe give us some different examples of energy healing. Yes, I would love to. Okay. So when we think about energy healing, we are really thinking about like, so, you know, you have your body, right. And that's like the physical, right. And then you have your nervous system and you can't see it, right. But you can feel it. Right. Mm -hmm. But then you have kind of like out right outside of that, right? Like there's these layers of energy in your energy field around you, right? And everything in this world is made up of energy, right? And so when we use energy work, we're working with that whole field around us, our whole kind of aura, if you will, or energy field, right? But then we have to remember that when we go to the grocery store, everybody else, we're always using our mirror neurons to mirror other people's nervous systems, right? But our energy field does that too. So the energy of my spouse, when he woke up on the wrong side of the bed or is sick, right? That energy is maybe coming into my energy field too, right? In the same way that my nervous system is pairing to his in the same way that if my child's having a tantrum, I need to be regulating myself so that we can co-regulate, right? Well, our energy system works kind of like that too. And if we are not practicing energy management, yeah, so energy management, some people use the term energy hygiene, 
but I call it energy management. Then we can take on the energy of other people, right? Even through the Zoom call, you and I are connecting energetically, right? And we're, I don't even know what part of town you live in, right? But we're forming this connection. And if we are not aware of our own energy, if we are not practicing energy management, you might take some of my energy with you, right? And then you, or even emotions, right? And then you might say, well, I'm feeling kind of, oh, I don't know. My husband might be getting a stomach bug, right? Mm -hmm. So maybe I'm holding his energy and I'm passing it to you. And you're like, I'm feeling kind of sick. And it's not yours. It was mine or his, Mm -hmm. right? And so then we can start to carry other people's things. Um, And before I started practicing energy management, like I remember I, I would get this pain in my hip. And then later on, my sister would be like, oh, my hip was really killing me today. And I was like, oh. And then I would practice energy work on it, like, and kind of, I don't want to say like cut the connection, but yeah, kind of cut the connection with her. And then the pain would be gone. Like it wasn't mine and it, it's not yours to hold other people's things either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So is it possible that somebody can be like holding on to other people's energies for like extended periods of time? Like not just when they're interacting with them, but it sticks with them and they carry it with them if they're not releasing. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. Yep. So you can pick it up stranger at the grocery store, you know, that you had a negative interaction with or any interaction with. Right. And so it's like, what can you do to maybe create boundaries for your energy before you're walking into a busy place, right? And what can you do to clear your energy or even just wipe off other people's energies as you are leaving? So are some people more sensitive to this than others? Or do some people just like notice it more? Or do some people like pick up more energies? Or how does that work? Yeah, so some people are like completely blocked off right? They have shut it down. Maybe they had some kind of experience, you know, as an early preteen or something where they have cut off all kind of awareness of that realm. And that can kind of help block it or, you know, they're just blocking it out really. And then as people get more in tune with their intuition, as they start to reconnect, they start to notice it more. And so like highly sensitive people will be more aware of this or it might affect them more even before they have the awareness. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what are things that people can do to either like protect themselves or like cleanse themselves? Maybe they start to notice something or, you know, they start to feel something after being around somebody who you know, maybe they had trauma and then, you know, afterwards you start to like feel heavy. Like what are different things that they can do to release that? Or if they know they're walking into a situation, prepare themselves in advance. So I really love, what was this book? The, um, the gifts beneath your anxiety. The author has this surround ground and shield exercise 
that just helps you to kind of, and I don't love to use the word protect because I don't feel like you necessarily need to protect yourself from other people's energy, but perhaps more like to create a boundary. And I think she maybe does use the word protect in that book, but that's just one way. There are a few other ways that I do, but it's like imagining that you're putting a cloak on before you go into a grocery store. That would be called cloaking. Uh, I think with the surround ground and shield, she does almost like a bubble, right? And it's like imagining literally a bubble around you that contains your energy and just kind of bounces other people's off of them. Right. So that might be if you're going over to a friend's house and you know that this friend is always just like dumping on you. Um, and you haven't figured out how to set the physical boundary yet, then you might want to do that then. Right. And then another thing is like you walked into that friend situation, you had no idea that so and so was coming in feeling really crappy. And now you've left and now you're feeling, oh. And so in that case, like some people will literally just wipe their aura and that's, they like that. Um, I like to just dissolve all cords at the solar plexus and that, um, that's just what feels good to me. And it's just as easy as setting that intention, uh, to dissolve all cords or to set the intention. I release anything that's not mine, right? And I have energy free energy meditations that do both of those somewhere. <laughs> you can just DM me uh, at intentionally.alexis on Instagram and I will send that to you. Um, I will organize my links too. <laughs> yeah, that would be it. awesome. I'd love to link those in our show notes. Um, one thought that I have is can space hold energy, um, maybe after people have left them or is energy typically always yeah. attached to people? Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, have you ever just like walked into maybe a house? Um, like, like I'm kind of thinking like going or something. back to like even the birth trauma, like I notice a lot of like anxious energy, like in hospitals oftentimes. Mm-hmm. Right. So energy absolutely can live in a space, right? So you think about going to tour an old house, thinking about walking into a hospital. Oh, that's a good one. Um, you know, I, for me, sometimes it's antique shops, right? Cause energy can attach to things too. So if you think about all the energy in an antique shop, oh it is God. wild sometimes, but it's not always for me, but, yeah. um, Absolutely. And so there are things that I do to clear a space. Mm-hmm. And that one's just a little more complicated to explain without like an image of what yeah. I use. But um, but you can even just set the intention, right? And there are different cultures that use different ways to clear spaces, right? When you think about uh, some people use sage, right? I do not use sage personally, because that is that feels cult cultural appropriation e to me. I'm just making up words. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. So kind of on that note, like all this like energy work, like it's not anything new. It's stuff that people have been using for centuries. We just maybe 
lost it along the line and, you know, our everyday practices for most people. Do you have any thoughts on that? Um, yeah, I mean, I will say that like one of my energy teachers has really started focusing on the fact that it is more of a remembering, right? It's tuning into once you learn into learn how to tune into your intuition, it's just tuning into how you can intuitively do that. Um, I was initially trained in Reiki and I love what that has opened for me, but I just, it didn't feel in alignment with me. Um, just looking at like the background of it. Right. And I can't explain it all, but like, as I read more and more about it, I was like, "Mm, this feels a little bit Mm -hmm. like, like I feel better using energy healing in my own way. Mm-hmm. So that's what I, I do. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's such an important concept where like we've been interviewing a ton of different like healing modalities. And just because one thing works for one person in one situation doesn't mean it's, you know, that cure all and all be all for everybody because everybody may be so different and what works for one person may not work for somebody else. Kind of like you said, just because it doesn't resonate with them the same way. Exactly. And that's not just about energy healing, right? That is literally every modality. And that's what I love about healing mentorship is it's not about teaching you what works for me worked for you in the past There's some new tools which one works best for you right because we're all different like if somebody's looking to maybe dip their toes in energy work and you know learn more about this and how different energy work resonates with them and feeling more their energy what are your recommendations for how they can start like what are some basic things that they can start with for somebody who may be just completely new to this concept? Honestly, I think that those basics of energy boundaries is a great place to start. Another one would be with one of those energy infused meditations, see how it feels, you know, play with the energy. And a good way to start that is with some guided energy practices. So knowing that like people all carry energy, spaces may carry energy, like is there some sort of like space or environment that somebody should ideally be in to start kind of practicing and working with these different energy techniques? I think the most important thing is just to really try and be sitting upright with your feet connected to the floor. Um. And that's, you know, like I like to have a special little space. I felt like I really needed that at the beginning. Now I could sit in just about any chair or on the floor and feel like, I mean, shoot, I do it in the car, Mm -hmm. you know, I, in a hotel, especially in a hotel, (laughs) you know, so it's, that's the really cool thing about it is we can do it anywhere. Yeah. So what's the significance of your feet being on the floor? I think it helps you to connect with the energy of the earth, right? And so then basically with energy work, you're making yourself a channel for 
the energy from the universe, from God, from source, and then also from the earth. Yeah. So that's something that kind of makes me think about like, maybe, you know, we used to, as humans spend a lot of time in nature and now Mm -hmm. we spend significantly less time, um, than we ever have. And so if that's a way to help connect, you know, to source and like ground yourself, then we are doing, you know, significantly less than that than what we've ever done. So, you know, that's just kind of in my mind, you know, connecting the dots as to why, you know, maybe we're not as in tune with this as we used to be and our energy and how it affects us and how we feel. Right. And so like, I mean, in addition to that, like when we go outside, especially barefoot, the earth is always taking our energy and transforming it into something new to put out. Right. And so that's, I mean, that's such a great point. And that is being connected to nature is so healing and being outside, especially with all the time we set, we spend on screens, mm-hmm. like in our house, if you're on a screen for 20 minutes, you have to be outside or moving your body for 20 minutes. Like when you think wow. about like the way that our eyes even work inside or staring at a screen. Right. And then you think about what your eyes feel like outside taking it all in. Right. Mm-hmm. Anyway, sorry. That was a little, yeah, no, that's tangent. such a good point. Um, because like, I know people incorporate like grounding into their like daily practices And I know even for me, um, like this last year, I tried to get outside a lot more with my son. And so I was tracking my hours. And when I looked at the amount of time that I was actually spending outside, it was so minimal. And I felt Mm -hmm. like it was a lot more, but it kind of put into perspective, like how little time I had been spending outside and how much time I had been spending in front of a computer screen. And even that like little increase made me start feeling so much better. So I think that is something that, you know, for myself is kind of an, would be an awesome goal. Like you said, spend 20 minutes on the screen. You should be spending 20 minutes outside. Like, I'm I'm sorry, 40, 40. Okay. That's, but that's for my son. And that's just kind of special considerations. But like, I think that that's a great, yeah even way to start I mean shoot some Mm -hmm. of us are just spending the time on the screen so maybe it's 20 minutes on a screen and five minutes outside like Mm -hmm. don't make it unattainable yeah right start with one minute (laughs) yeah yeah and kind of even what I had done was like okay I spent this much time outside last year like my goal is to increase it every year because I noticed like how much better I felt um so it's just like kind of this whole conversation is like bringing it back to me as to like how we are like energetic beings. And I think that's often lost and how that infects our health and wellness. And, you know, we get into this habit of like, oh, I just want this quick fix. I want to take this pill and I want it to be better. Um, But there's so much more than just like looking at the mechanics of our body. Yes. Um, Can we just like loop back? Sorry, that just talking about like quick fix, take this pill. Yeah. Um, just just, like jolted me into something that I probably should have said back when we were talking about birth trauma. Yeah. 
And if you feel like something is off ever, ever in the postpartum period, talk to your medical practitioner right away. Medication can be a great tool to allow the natural resources that we have, the more holistic options to take effect, right? And so always we want to be collaborating with our support team. And I have like a whole course. What is it? Uh, AlexisInspires.com slash free course in that course is a communication guide to talk to your support people. If you have a spouse, if you have friends and family, it is about building your support team because when you're struggling, especially postpartum, but really anytime you want your whole support team to know that so that, um, everybody can be safe and cared for and, and not just that, but like, it doesn't have to be so hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think like, even thinking back to my postpartum time, you know, I think we're kind of in this period where you go home and your spouse goes back to work and it's just you and the baby and you feel isolated. Um, but really, like you said, you need to have a whole team. Like it should be a community, um, you know, and you shouldn't just, you don't need to just work with one person. You need to work with various people, you know, to get the support that you need in whatever stage that you're at. Um, and, you know, kind of also tying it all back into what we said, like there's never like one right or wrong way to do things. It's going to be completely different for every person. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm glad you kind of tied that back all in together. Um, so, I mean, I guess what advice do you have for somebody that who, you know, is further along, they're not just in the initial first postpartum weeks or farther along, Um, they've had some birth trauma, you know, where should they start? Like, what advice do you have for them? Um, And maybe you can share also about like, you know, how they can connect with you or what service offerings would maybe be best for somebody in that stage. Um, Kind of very much like yourself where, you know, you were going to have your second child, but, you know, you were struggling with the trauma from your first child. Yeah. So that's actually primarily who I work with is people who are one, two, even up to shoot, like 16 years out from their birth trauma. Um, and still, you know, uh, feeling the impacts of that. So that is who I work with. So honestly, first up, set up a free call with me and we'll make a plan right then and there. But, um, second off, if you don't want to talk to me on a zoom or on a phone call, I feel you. (laughs) Cause that's, that can be hard to book a call like that. Mm-hmm. And, um, I'd say in that case, your first steps are to, gosh, it's so hard. Cause there's so much that goes into it. Right. Cause for some people it's going to be, what can I cut out? That's not serving me anymore. And for other people, it's going to be, what can I add in to help me remember who I am? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you, um, you said you had that free online, the body-based self-regulation, like that may also be correct. A good place for somebody to start that maybe isn't ready to pick up the phone and make the call. And, you know, they're not ready for that commitment. Um, because I know that can be also a scary thing for people too. Yeah. Yeah. So de-triggered is absolutely great. If you are feeling like you are triggered a lot, especially parenting can be one of the most triggering things ever. (laughs) 
-hmm. (laughs) So de-triggered feels, you know, it has been really helpful to people who are, you know, like 15, 16, 17, 18 months out or more, and they just need a few more tools. Um, the free course is more for people who are pretty fresh within that first year, but it also contains a lot of those free tools. It contains, um, you know, a lot of information about trauma, what's happening in the brain, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think just also like hearing your story can, you know, help resonate with people who may be going through that. And, you know, I think sometimes it can feel like isolating, um, and feel like you're going through things by yourself, but realizing that you're not, um, I think that can also be really empowering as kind of even a first step on the healing journey. Yes. I love that. And speaking of that, I mean, it is all about building community, right? And there are so many Facebook groups for birth trauma. There are Instagram pages that focus solely on birth trauma. And a lot of people can find community and, um, help that feeling of isolation, you know, any kind of healing journey that people are going on, whether it's birth trauma, or they're just realizing that they want to live their life differently, or they want to dive into inner child healing that can feel so isolating. If nobody else in your current circle is on that path. And I remember that feeling, um, and it takes a lot of work to build a community, but it's so, so worth it. Yeah. And I think a lot of times, if you have that community of people that are going through those same things, it can just really validate what you're feeling. And, you know, sometimes I think that's almost like the first step is just, you know, it's not, these feelings aren't just all in your head. You're not making them up. You know, they are valid feelings and emotions that you're having and they should be recognized. Yes. Yes. Let's stop sweeping them under the rug. Let's stop stuffing them down. Every feeling deserves a seat at the table. Yeah. Well, Alexis, it has been amazing talking to you. Um, you know, you are a wealth of knowledge in our community about birth trauma. You know, I've seen, you know, as you talked about like the different like communities and stuff, you know, people recommend you. Um, so I'm so happy that you were able to join our podcast and share a little bit about, um, this with our listeners. Um, and if you maybe just want to say one more time, how they can connect with you, and then I'll also link it in our show notes as well. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Allison. I just love talking about birth trauma. I feel like a total nerd. (laughs) Um, you can find me on Instagram at intentionally.alexis, or you can find me at alexisinspires.com. My detriggered is right in the top right hand corner. You cannot miss it. It is my favorite tool. So thank you. Hey friends. If you like what you heard on this episode, please subscribe to our show on Spotify or Apple Podcasts so you can be notified of new episodes. Please leave us a rating and review to help others find our podcasts, and we love reading your feedback. You can also follow us on Instagram at Rooted Vitality and let us know if there are any topics you would like us to discuss or dive deeper into. If you are a health and wellness practitioner and would like to be a guest on our podcast, please message us. We love hearing from our listeners. 